Welcome to episode 38 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with PsychArmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to psychharmer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. On today's episode, we'll be featuring a conversation with licensed clinical social worker Leah Christensen clinical program coordinator for the Caregiver Support Program with the Veterans Health Administration. In this role, she assists with the development and guidance of field operations for the program. Her current work also includes enhancing the program of general caregiver support services across the VA, which supports caregivers across the continuum through education, coaching, support, skills training, outreach, and connection to resources. Leah is also the VA lead for the Campaign for Inclusive Care Initiative, a systematic approach to integrating caregivers as partners in veteran healthcare teams. You can find out more about Leah by checking out her bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. So as a licensed clinical social worker, you have a background in mental health, but you're currently the National Clinical Program Coordinator for VA's Caregiver Support Program. I'm interested in hearing your journey to working for caregivers, especially in a clinical capacity for the VA. Yeah, great question. I mean, really, truly being part of VA is such an honor. Growing up with veterans in my family, my grandfathers were both World War II veterans. My father is a combat veteran who served in Vietnam. It's just really been part of who I am and part of how I grew up. And being raised by a veteran, I think service has always been part of who he is. So he, after his time in the military, even, he's always lived a life of service, whether that be to his community, to his church community, to family and friends and neighbors. He's always volunteered and, and put himself in a space of serving others. And so that's really been the value that I was raised in. And I think really what led me to pursue social work the social work principles really aligned with those core values of service to Heather, service to humanity, social justice, and, and human dignity in the work of people. And it's really how I view people is through their lens of who they are in the context of their environment and, and really looking at them from a strengths-based perspective. So after I completed graduate school, I worked in healthcare. Since the start of my social work career, I actually started in pediatrics. I worked in pediatric oncology and, and palliative care, really supporting families through really what's undoubtedly probably some of the toughest moments of their lives and really was some of the most intense work I've done as a clinician. And so then after really doing that for nearly a decade, I found that it was time for a, a change for me and I was starting my own family. And so I was just ready to make a different route for myself. And I learned in 2011 that the VA was going to stand up a program for caregivers of veterans. I was so excited. It felt like it was getting back to my roots and being able to serve those who served our country and those who care for those who serve our country. And just really excited to join the VA Caregiver Support Program. And really the mission of the program is to 
promote health and well-being of family caregivers who care for our nation's veterans. And we do that in a number of different ways. I was able to do that as a direct service provider. So was able to serve caregivers directly in the medical setting, was able to stand up the program actually at VA Portland. And then now working for the national office, I get the opportunity to develop programming and supports for the VAs all across the country. We have a team at every medical center, which is really exciting. And it gives caregivers opportunity to really connect with someone in their local area and be part of the supports and services that we offer. I think what's what's interesting is that through my work with VA, it's really opened up this avenue of communication with my dad as a Vietnam veteran. To hear more of his story now, to me, is really such a gift. It's just not something that I had really expected, honestly, in beginning to work at VA and really open up those lines of communication. And for me, it's always so important to ground myself. Who am I here to serve? And especially when you're not in that clinical role anymore, you're implementing programming from the national office, you're supporting those who are supporting caregivers. I just always want to ground myself in, in why am I here? And I keep photos of my dad during his service right at my desk so that I can always remember, okay, that's who I'm here to serve. We're supporting caregivers who are supporting people like my father and just really bring it back to that reminder. I think it's that's really interesting in which you, growing up in a, a family who values service, you chose a career field, but you may never have gone into this particular aspect of that had you not had that military background. So there is that full circle. My father was also a Vietnam veteran, 67 to 69, him and three of his brothers all served. And I grew up in the 70s and 80s and seeing the, and and honestly, the negative impact of of how it had on my father. But I think for you, maybe you never would have worked in caregiving for veterans had you not have that lived experience as the daughter of a veteran. Yeah, that's right. I think back then, families didn't necessarily understand my husband, so different than he was when he left. Why is there these nightmares? Why is why are they struggling? And the community was in a different space than we are right now in terms of how we support. And so really being able to support both veterans and their families as the veterans are returning and really trying to help serve veterans of all eras and families of all eras to now put that support in place. And I think that is one thing that I've seen from the outside looking in for the VA the last, and even as you said in 2011, but I'd say even in the last five years, is those of us supporting veterans are recognizing that we also have to support those around the veterans. The system, a very social work concept of none of us are are living in a vacuum. We're all influenced by anything around us. And the VA has expanded the caregiver support program from, from what it first was to to now really supporting a broad spectrum of caregivers in recent years. Yeah, that's right. The RAND study taught us that the best chance for a veteran to recover and thrive is a strong, well-supported caregiver. And so how do we do that? And we actually have two programs within the caregiver program. And when you're speaking of the one that we recently expanded under the Mission Act of 2018 is the program that initially launched in 2011. And it served those caregivers of veterans who were seriously injured after September 11th. And with Mission Act, we've been able to expand that program to veterans who incurred or aggravated a serious injury, and that includes serious illness in the line of duty. But we've been able to expand that to all eras, and that's in two phases. So right now, that program is open to those who served on or after September 11th, 2001, or honor before May 7th, 1975. And so in October of 2022, we'll be able to have the program open to caregivers of veterans of all eras, which is really exciting. It's really amazing to be able to offer this level of service and support to those caregivers. 
So it's the assistance is really for the comprehensive program. It's really directly for the caregiver. And it really is truly just as its name says, comprehensive. There's a financial monthly stipend. There's health insurance, which is huge for caregivers. If they're uninsured, we have mental health counseling they can get at VA. At respite, so important for caregivers to take that break to be able to be refreshed and return to the care. And then wellness contacts is what we call them. And so it's really about our clinical staff supporting the caregiver and the veteran, making sure that they have what they need to take care of a veteran and, and really ensuring their health and well-being. So it's a clinical really wraparound support for that caregiver and then for that veteran with the hope of allowing that veteran to live safely in the home for as long as possible, which is what most veterans tell us that they want. And I think just the nature of caregivers uh, across that spectrum, we're talking three generations, right? The Vietnam generation, then, of course, the Cold War, Gulf War generation now post 9-11. The combat veterans in Vietnam that served in the height of the conflict, they're in their 70s, which is a whole different aspect. Geriatric caregiving is very different than someone who who is maybe in their 30s and catastrophically wounded or injured. But the nature of caregiving, and even as we were talking before, just the identity of caregiving is very different across that spectrum. Yeah, that's right. So many caregivers will say, oh, I'm not a caregiver, uh, just a spouse, or I'm, I'm just a daughter. And I always say there's no just. Like you're in there supporting the, your veteran to be in the best place that they can be. And so whether you call yourself a caregiver or not, you have an important role. You are you know, the one who's often shoring that veteran up to continue in day-to-day. One of the other pieces to mention is that as we expanded under Mission Act, we also knew that we needed to enhance those services because of all those unique needs, because we'd be serving this population that's not just post 9-11, but goes all the way back to World War II with the caregivers of those veterans as well. And so we wanted to make sure that we had a broad range of services and supports. And so we enhanced what we call the Program of General Caregiver Support Services. And that's the program that really is for caregivers of veterans of all eras. And they don't need to have a service-connected rating. And in fact, you don't even have to live with the veteran to receive some support from this program. We know that caregivers just overall will often put themselves last. They're tending to the needs of the veteran first and foremost. And we know they have higher levels of stress and depression and sometimes even a physical decline in their health. So it's important that we really work preventatively to support caregivers who sometimes are in this for the long term. There can be decades of support that they're providing. And so our program of general caregiver support services, we we offer things like coaching and skills training, support groups, one-on-one kind of unique individual support to the caregiver to help them to take care of themselves and the veteran. I think so often caregivers will say, I feel really alone in this. This is an isolating role, or I I can't relate to my peer group. And so support groups can really assist with that, as well as our peer mentoring program. I know that there are other peer mentoring programs, and, and Melissa talked about those as well. And VA has a peer support mentoring program that can really bring together caregivers who have a similar life path, have shared experience. And sometimes those are caregivers who are serving the same era of veteran, and sometimes they're not. And they can find this place of commonality and support, and that sense of isolation just dissipates. They don't feel like I'm the only one or I'm alone in this journey. They feel like, okay, I get it. They get it, and we can do this. 
I think that's something that's very critical is that identification and support as you're talking. So again, my Vietnam veteran father, this is multi-generational in that I'm a combat veteran. My younger brother also served in Iraq and Afghanistan, but my father lived with him for a period of time while he was still in active duty. So you have active duty service members that are caregiving for a veteran parent. My older sister, no connection to the military outside of those of us who serve, but she was a caregiver for my father for a period of time. And then he came to live with us, helped him get his VA disability on track and get him his housing. And so we were caregivers for my father, but we didn't see ourselves as caregivers for my father. But And one, you had somebody with no affiliation in the military, an active duty service member, and a veteran themselves also caring for an older generation of it. That's how complicated this can get. That's right. And I think we have found that we really need to take each caregiver as their own person and really attend to their own unique needs because you're coming at it from a place with your own background, with your own experience. Like you said, sometimes with military background, sometimes without, sometimes they've been a caregiver in that like sandwich generation. They're caring for an elderly parent, a spouse, and their children, sometimes children with disabilities. And so I think it's so important that we take each individual caregiver, knowing what we know about caregiving and and sitting in our place of having some expertise in caregiving, but really meeting them where they're at and hearing what is their experience, what is their unique story, what could we put in place to help them. So rather than saying, here's a list of things, let's say, gosh, I hear you talking about how you haven't been to the doctor in two years. What about us looking at a plan for how we can make that happen for you and picking out all of those clinical aspects to make sure that we're getting that tailored care for them? And so I'm really proud about that with our program. I think that we really do try to take a look at individual caregiver as their own person worthy of that support and those services. And that's, again, the the one program that's really supporting the caregivers. But what, what I really appreciate about uh, what you do is that's only one aspect of it. Then you also have to be facing the actual clinicians in the VA providing the support. One of the ways the VA is doing that is the Campaign for Inclusive Care provides frontline medical personnel with training to support both veterans and their caregivers. As a clinical mental health professional myself, it's confidentiality and HIPAA and how much can I communicate and how much can I not communicate. But And so there's a natural tendency for healthcare providers to see the client as the client, uh, not necessarily the family member as a, a part of the client group as well. Yeah, that's been our experience as, as well. We often will hear that concern. And I think what we're really trying to spread with the Campaign for Inclusive Care is just that awareness of what that caregiver, what that family can bring to the table to really enhance that care. These caregivers are the ones who are with the veteran more than we are as healthcare providers, more than we are as mental health therapists. And so really their input and their value is critical. Without that, we don't have the full picture. The Campaign for Inclusive Care is really taking a look at how can we help healthcare providers with those concerns about privacy and and really training them to include the caregiver as a partner in care, not just as this ancillary person in the veteran's life, but as a partner to deliver healthcare that makes sense for the veteran. Sometimes veterans will not be able to tell us everything that that is going on for them. And the caregiver can offer a different perspective. So what we've done is really created what is an, an awareness and education campaign in partnership with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, really training healthcare providers, clinical staff, really everybody from front check-in desk to those who are doing direct healthcare interventions to consider the caregiver. 
And I think one of the things when we talk about it, we have what we call the care acronym. And I think many times we'll hear that somebody says, why do you include the family? But when then when you dig into, but are you asking the question of who's supporting you in the home that might want to be part of, that we might want to include in this conversation? So not saying, do you have a caregiver? But saying, who do you rely on for support? Who do you turn to? Should we bring them into this as we're doing this care plan to make sure that this care plan is going to work for your entire ecosystem, if you will? And so we have we have the Academy for Inclusive Care, which is an online training that our providers and healthcare staff are taking. And then we have we've put champions in place, champions of inclusive care at every VA who are spreading that awareness, kind of boots on the ground, teaching these principles of inclusivity, really engaging healthcare teams to answer their questions and their concerns and to talk about how can we best include caregivers as partners and support caregivers. Because again, that will help the veteran to thrive. That will give us that full picture. By partnering, we really think that this will result in better health outcomes for veterans. And I think that's one thing that maybe health professionals might not be fully aware of, but the research shows that there is, for example, medication adherence or even treatment adherence. You know, how many times my wife has said, so you're going to the therapist today or, or, or whatever. But that, in again, research has shown that veterans with supportive friends, family in, in, in a social environment that encourages treatment seeking and treatment adherence have better outcomes. And I think, again, that's one of the things that healthcare providers maybe sort of know, but don't really articulate to their clients to say, hey, it would help me, the provider, you, the veteran, if everyone was involved. Yeah, that's right. And then taking it that step of what is that role? So if you're in a, if you're in a session with a therapist and you're asked about who's helping to support you, and you say my wife, and, and she's invited into the room, then it's acknowledging what is that role that you play in this patient's life and in this veteran's life, and being able to say, and do you have what you need to be in that role? How can we best support you? Or is there training? Is there a support group? Is there Are there services we could help put in the home to help to support you in that role of caregiving? And that's so important because it really does help to support the caregiver to be able to do this for the long term, if that's what's in store for them. And it helps to make sure that they are then connected to the support services that they need. And that early identification is really critical. If we don't ask the question of, do you have someone who we should include in this conversation? Is there someone who supports you? I want to be sure that we are setting you up for success. We could miss that. We could miss that. And then you're scratching your head saying, gosh, I wonder why they haven't taken this medication. And they've missed the last three appointments. If we're including the caregiver, oftentimes that's not going to happen because it's just, we all need support. This isn't just a veteran thing. This is really an entire healthcare system piece. And so we hope that at VA with inclusive care, we're really setting the standard for healthcare about really considering, acknowledging, empowering, and engaging those caregivers as partners in care. I know, I, and I absolutely recognize it. I mean, even personally, I think that had I come home to an empty house or, or things like that, then a, a large measure of my success is related to the stability of my family. So I really value the VA's caregiver program. If people wanted to hear more about the caregiver support program or the campaign for inclusive care, if they happen to be a provider, how can they do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have a VA caregiver support line, which the number is one eight five five. 
caregivers, families, veterans, community providers can call that line and get information. We also have, as I said, a caregiver support team at every single VA. And so we encourage the community to really reach out. We have ways that we can engage you. We have ways that we can work together. And I often say VA can do a lot, but we can't do it alone. We really need these trusted partners. We need these communities. It's really our job as a country to serve veterans and to support caregivers. And I encourage people to visit our website, which is caregiver.va.gov. And you can find your local team right there, as well as a lot of information about caregiving and about the supports and services that we offer. Absolutely. I'll make sure that those links are included in our show notes. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. One of the reflections that hit home for me in my conversation with Leah was how relieving it can be to know that you're not the only one going through what you're going through. We all want to connect to other people to feel like we're part of something. That may be historically, geographically, culturally, or in a number of different ways. But the moment we come across someone with a similar background and experience, it's as if the universe is telling us, you belong here. Conversely, if we feel like we're the only ones experiencing something, if we look around and don't see or speak to someone with our experiences, then the message may be, you don't belong here. And that's a hard road to go down. But especially if we're not just carrying the weight of our own experience, but the experiences of others. As you heard in the conversation, some caregivers don't realize that they're actually caregivers. It wasn't until some of these recent conversations that I realized that I was a caregiver for my Vietnam veteran father. Some of it was because, seven or eight years ago, the concept wasn't as widespread as it is now. Another part of it was, if you knew my old man, he wasn't the kind of guy to need a caregiver if you asked him. But I know that if it wasn't for me and my siblings and a couple of his ex-wives, he would have been struggling. Many caregivers I know see their support as more of a blessing than a burden, but it can be really challenging for someone to care for someone else. It comes with the measure of sacrifice in a number of different ways. And if you're always walking around with your head down, nose to the grindstone, then you're not seeing that there are others around you that can lessen that risk of sacrifice, relieve some of that stress that you're feeling. So if you're a caregiver or know of one, reach out to make sure that they know that they're not alone and that they know of the services that are available to them. Another point that I would like to make is how there are constant improvements in how the Department of Veterans Affairs is caring for those who served and now those who support them. We've all heard the statistics about how the VA is the nation's largest healthcare system, how it serves millions of veterans every year. Sometimes changes that need to happen don't happen at the pace that others want. I know many caregivers for pre-9-11 era veterans who were calling for expansion to the caregiver program for a number of years. Two things, however. The VA is a federal agency and, as such, can't implement changes without congressional approval and, more importantly, funding. And two, it takes a long time to make changes in such a massive organization. It's like the metaphor of turning an ocean liner, but for the VA, it's more on par with turning the Pacific Fleet. A mentor once told me that the VA of today is better than the VA of 10 years ago, and the VA of 10 years from now will be better than the VA of today. As I sit here looking at the world through my VA-provided eyeglasses, feeling the relief in my neck and my back from my VA-referred chiropractic care, 
thinking about my father who's interred in Fort Logan National Cemetery and everything that he had to overcome dealing with the VA in the 80s and 90s, I have to agree. The VA of today is an improvement over the VA of yesterday, and the VA of tomorrow will be an improvement over the VA of today. That's not to say that any of us should accept substandard care from anyone. Everyone deserves the best possible care, and there are thousands of VA employees who are trying to do just that. The expansion of the caregiver support program and Leah's dedication to it is one example of that. So for this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share a series of PsychArmor webinars, Conversations with Caregivers. The Conversations with Caregivers series, sponsored by USAA, is an opportunity to virtually engage and learn with military and veteran caregivers about difficult issues that have been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, PsychArmor brings together subject matter experts from around the country, both professionals and military and veteran caregivers with lived experience, to share their knowledge and expertise in these difficult conversations. These events are intended for military and veteran caregivers to learn together, discover new resources, change the narrative of their own experience, and build resilience. You can get to the webinar series by going to the link in the show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash btm38, as well as on the Psycharmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.